My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Hey folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fan hole spinoff show that where we talk about Transformers every time and all the time. I'm Mike. I'm going to be your host tonight. Uh, and tonight, um, we are going to start, I guess, a tiny mini series of Transformer Tuesday episodes where we go through a Dreamwaves Armada comic, uh, arc by arc, I guess. So it'll probably be about three shows, but, uh, uh, start tonight. We're going to be uh, discussing the first five issues of the Armada comic, uh, plus the preview story and the free comic book day issue, which is kind of a like you know basically the mini the first mini arc of the you know series. And uh, like uh, joining me tonight are hey, what's up? This is Derek Derek WC. I'm I'm fist bumping you all through the internet. Beep bop boop. I am Justin. Yes, beep bop boop indeed. Well, I, I guess it would be inappropriate to say that the mini cons beep bop boop in this because uh, they don't. Because they do not. No. Humans come. <gasps> they can talk. But the mini cons were never programmed to talk, were they? But uh, yeah. So like you know. Back in uh, 2002, when, you know, Hasbro launched Transformers Armada, of course, uh, Dreamwave Productions uh, had the comic, the Transformers comic book license. And alongside their uh, Generation One series, they also were producing this Transformers Armada series. And uh, it uh, well, much like the Marvel comic and the Sunbow cartoon of Generation One, like, you know, they told the cartoon of Armada and the comic of Armada told very different stories. And uh, I think and it's funny because like there's like three story treatments for Armada, like before it like even started and like only two got used. But like when they were developing Armada with like it was like the first time that Hasbro and Takara kind of really like uh, partnered on a, a Transformers line. And, uh, like, there was a, an American, like, story treatment for Armada, and then Takara did, like, their own story treatment, and that's what they ultimately used when they made, like, Micron Legend or, like, you know, the, the Transformers Armada cartoon and, like, the original American, like, story treatment for the cartoon where it kind of seemed like, like, uh, there was this Toy Fair article that kind of hinted at what it was, and it kind of seemed like it was going to be almost a, con a continuation of Generation 1, or some kind of, like, link to Generation 1, because it mentioned that, um... Optimus Prime and Megatron were like, you know, sort of like Beast Wars, Optimus Primal and Megatron. Like they were like descendants of the original Optimus and Megatron or something. And it was like there was a weird elements in that article where it talked about 
Megatron making a whole starship full of minicons, and that was supposed to be like the Armada, which is the title. Like basically, like everyone wanted to seize the like minicon Armada or whatever. But that story treatment really got left in the dust. Like when Takara decided to do their own thing for the anime, and then Dreamwave Productions did their own thing with this comic. So like, yeah, it's I mean it it was a kind of tangled mess of uh, different story treatments and stuff at the beginning but uh i mean are, yes are, are these treatments like completely separate and different from transtech yeah yeah okay this is like way, way after that i think like this okay. is like they uh well you know they were going to do transtech mm-hmm. and then like they they decided against it and then they just imported car robots while they developed something like new and i think they were you know they were trying to move more towards like a you know original g1 kind of style of a show instead and that's like basically how they ended up with like armada and micron legend but I mean, now, and, 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 you know, no matter how the Micron Legend cartoon, Armada cartoon turned out, I mean, it's still like, you know, they, they, I think they successfully like returned it to a sort of, um, general Transformers theme that is kept pretty consistent till this day, which is mostly like a G1, like kind of style, like. I mean, there there have been alterations and stuff, but I think, you know, they, they kind of got it back on. Tr- like, you know, we all love Beast Wars, but I mean, Beast Machines and, and even Transtech were going to take Transformers in a really radically different direction. Yeah. And, you know, car robots and, you know, robots in disguise and then Armada kind of stared it back towards. No, we're going to stay like with with what worked kind of at least with like yeah. maybe a few spins on it. But because it's interesting because this. This wizard article that I'm looking at suggests, like, it's interesting because you bring up the whole, you know, you, you have the connectivity of in the the Armada cartoon, right? You had David Kay and uh, Gary Chalk, you know, reprise their roles as Optimus and Megatron. So that, to me, lends some credence to what you're talking about as one of the thoughts was that, you know, maybe it would be some kind of Beast Wars-ish you know, continuation somehow or whatever. But then in, in this one, you know, again, we were talking about it before the, the, the show started, but uh, it it basically talks about the classic series, you know, and then and then I'm kind of like, well, that's, you know, I don't know. To me, that's like a completely different treatment, right? Where it says set in the Transformers continuity shortly after the classic series, the line known as Armada will feature both old and new Transformers as both the Autobots and Decepticons duke it out over a mysterious race of pint-sized Transformers known as Minicons. You know, so it's like, that's, that is interesting because they, they had, I I think in all the treatments, they probably at least had Transformers, Autobots, Decepticons, Minicons, but then deciding exactly how the Minicons were treated and, maybe what their origins were or how they interacted with Autobots, Decepticons, and I guess potentially humans was, was a little different, right? Yeah. And I guess, you know, I, I always felt like, you know, I think we mentioned it like, Oh, I mentioned it. Like when we started, like when we were joking about beep, bop, boop, but I mean, like, 
obviously it seems like in our in the the in obviously in the Dreamwave treatment, but probably in the original American treatment, like the mini console had like, you know, their own personalities and were their own characters and stuff. But mm. Takara decided to make them all like Pokemon, basically. So like yeah. and I mean, yeah. I'm I'm sure that's like a you know, a budgeting a budget issue where it's like, no, we don't need to come up with voice actors for all these other tiny guys like no forget that like so no one will argue that probably you know this comics take on mini cons is probably a superior take like you know yeah. They, 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 yeah. they're not like, I, just i kind of feel like it's the most serious take because you you bring up i mean you know I, i'm sure we'll go into some of the details of the the comic story but since since we're talking about it like you know my comparison is kind of what you already said i mean when you watch when you watch the the anime or the cartoon or whatever, it is very much got to catch them all. You know, like that's you know there there was a ship. The the ship you know somehow magically scatters them all across the earth, and then it's all about you know locating the mini cons, using them in concert with their own bodies to power themselves up. And in some cases, they can either transform and merge into their own robots, or they can you know become you know the star saber or whatever, you know, like different tools that, that Autobots and Decepticons can use, but it's still kind of a very, you know, lighter, you know, Pokemon inspired, got to catch them all type vibe. Like it, 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 I guess it doesn't explore the ramifications of, I don't know, like this, the first two issues of this seems more like it's, it's persecution and, and Mangala experimentation, like that the Minicons were never designed to interact with Autobots and Decepticons, but yet the Decepticons in their thirst for power, like experimented on them so that they were compatible, you know, like, so there, there's a very, to me, it's, 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 it's very much kind of, uh, you know, Mangala-esque type, vibe in those first two issues at least when when they describe what what happens you know that the the minicons are telling each other i guess you know war stories or whatever of people that you know either escape to the decepticons and and they're saying like well what did you see you know and it's like well i mean essentially they're like dude we got sent to the minicon camps and they 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 did all these weird freaky experiments on us so they could use us you know and then that's why all those minicons are like oh fuck like decepticons are coming here you know like so to to me like that seemed to be the most to you know at least from my perspective seemed to be the most serious take on it that i'd seen yeah like before before we get into the comic book like you know more specifically uh, like I just wanted to ask you guys and maybe like Justin in particular cuz I I know he hadn't read these before but like what what exact like this issue or, or or I should say I guess the preview story was probably my first exposure to like Armada like the fiction at least like you know how what this what uh this universe would kind of be and I know I had read the first issue before the cartoon started airing and like I, and I had seen that toy fair article and I'd seen the toys and I wasn't like super thrilled with the toys, but I was like, Oh yeah, this will, this will be pretty cool. And I remember reading the first issue and I was like, Oh yeah, you know, this like, like you said, there was a serious edge to it. Like with, you know, all the slavery angle, the forced like surgery on the mini cons. Like I was like, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be pretty cool. 
And then I think my hype for Armada died about the very night they premiered the first cartoon episode, <laughs> basically. Because then I was like, oh, no, like, this isn't going to be like the comic at all. Like, you know, but like, yeah, Justin, like what? Like, I, get, I know you haven't read this, but what was your like origin story for Armada, basically? I mean, I remember flipping through this first comic, but my memory is. I had already seen that premiere, like, first three episodes. But, yeah, like, I I don't know. I was just never interested in the comic. And I think that stemmed from my disappointment in the show and also the toys. I don't think I owned but maybe a handful of the Armada toys. Like, I just wasn't, wasn't happy with them, wasn't happy with the series either. So I just – I would just go and flip through – there were a lot of comics at the comic book shop just kind of like out of curiosity and, you know, to see what the art looked like and that kind of thing. But I just never really paid them much mind at all until until I started doing the podcast with you guys. And you guys were like, oh, the, this comic is actually, you know, it's it's good. It's definitely better than the show. And I never really checked it out until we decided to, you know, do this episode. What about you, Derek? Like, did you do you remember exactly what you were exposed to, like first? Or I'm trying to remember, and it, it's hard because I feel like you know they they dumped it all on you at once. Like, I'm I'm trying to look up the date of when because uh, I remember that issue. Evening. The the preview story came out like a full like three or four months before like anything else, and then uh, the okay. issue one was out a month before the first episode of the uh, cartoon. So I, I, know, I mean, I was yeah, buying I those from I was buying those from Comics Inc. in Overland at that time. So yeah, the, like that I was, so I must have I must have read that preview story on the first issue first, like you. I I do have that distinct memory of the Cartoon Network premiere as well, you know, like that, that was a big deal. I, I, I know this is going to be a weird side dovetail to go into because I, I think, you know, I like, like, you know, we we're kind of lifelong Transformers fans. So there was, there was certainly uh, an element of hype to, Oh boy, you know, there's a new show that's going to be on and it's going to premiere on Cartoon Network. And I think based on the hype of, you know, like Beast Wars, Beast Machines, whatever you want to attribute it to, you know, the fact that there was love for Gary Chalk and David Kay. It's like, oh, boy, they're they're reprising their roles. So that that to me, you know, was, was something in the positive column, the hype column where you're like, oh, boy, like that, that that seems cool. And I think my initial reaction to it was that the what they call the 2000 X masters of the universe cartoon was was preferable to armada i guess do you know what i mean like i think that was and maybe that's unfair but they both sort of aired around right around the same time and i was just kind of like well i like i like this reimagining of of he-man a whole i mean i was probably complaining about it all at the same time kind of going who the fuck is keldor or whatever and you know, freaking out about other nerd shit. But I mean, just in general, it, it seemed like I watched both of those shows, but it seemed like there was some sense of obligation to watch the Transformers show, whereas I think the 2000X He-Man show, I was kind of like, I, I, I think I got into that and felt like there was something more to the story there. But I, I think 
also, I guess, you know, again, I'll just go back to my, what, what do you call them, like trailer mashup days that I used to, you know, always be into. So I was always making all those Transformers trailer mashups. And I think one of my personal favorites i don't know if it has the most views because it might not but i think one of my personal favorites is the armada one because i basically did a trailer mashup with the phantom menace and it worked perfectly because you know hot shots running around with the star saber and i gave ewan mcgregor's lines to hot shot and then you know anytime that you know darth maul came on or whatever it was supposed to be you know starscream with the red saber and all that kind of stuff so like i put all that together and you know carlos was fucking jar jar binks and everybody loved it you know like i mean it was just like that that was one of those things where where it was just i guess you know i i you know i again the 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 kind of i don't know whatever you want to call it that kind of reaction to that among some of the other ones that I made was what spurred on just making a bunch more. But I, I do have kind of a fondness for certain aspects of Armada because of that specifically. And I think also, you know, I think my my love of, say, you know, Hot Rod extends uh, a good deal to Hot Shot. You know, they're not like I think it's funny because th- th- I guess what I will say about my experience is I did not own any of the, the the Takara toys or anything like that. Like, I never owned any of the official toys. I think the closest I came was, like, I, I, I like those... Um, I always butchered the name because I can never remember. What is it? The SFC? Like, whatever those, you know, the Japanese, they're the non-transformable figures yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like, like I, I mean, I, I think now I have some of the hot rod ones that I either bought back since I, you know, sold some of them off or whatever. But I think the closest I came was there was uh, a hot shot, I think, in that line. And, and I was very close to getting that if I, you know, I think I saw that among some of the others in usually like these stores in Los Angeles. I remember there was a cool one in Westwood that had like all kinds of manga and plush toys and cool stuff like that. And I remember that's where I usually would see those. And I, I was very, very close to like, I was like, oh, I'm going to get this or whatever. But I don't think I ever did. But that was the closest I ever got to purchasing like some kind of Armada toy. And then and then I guess that brings back memories of like renting the the PS2 game too, right? Like that was something where I I, I think I, I got into it. and And I guess... You know, I I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the Armada cartoons legacy is that there's always something better than it, you know, like even within its own sphere, if that makes sense. Like like I and and that's not to say like, you know, because I was I don't know. I was just rewatching some of the episodes for fun because I knew we were going to talk about this comic and everything. And like it, it's not good. Like, I mean, I, I can't, you know. I can't defend it or anything like that. It's just it is what it is. You know, like it, to me, it's like even right now. It's like, you know, it was just something I had on in the background while I was doing other stuff. Like it's easily you can you can get away with not devoting your full attention to it because it's not it's not super engrossing. And and again, you it's nothing you have to concentrate really hard on or, you know, it's not like there's any kind of intricate plot to follow or anything like that. So there's there's nothing like that in that show. And I guess what I'm getting at is 
you were always more excited, like playing the video game story was always more exciting. You know, that whole thing of, oh, shit, we get to fight Tidal Wave and this is so badass and you get to hunt mini cons and this is so cool. And it was like, I mean, the, the Transformers games before then were all pretty fucking ass, you know, like so it was like, oh, shit, you can transform. You can, you know, you, you, it, it's kind of like a you know, a first person or whatever you want to call it, like third person game where you're, you know, running around and doing stuff and everything. And, you know, you had cool boss battles and stuff like that. And so there there was that that was so much more better. And I and I I really do think, I mean, regardless of what Justin's going to say about the kids, this comic, when when we finally start talking about it, is also vastly superior to the show so so i i always feel bad you know because it, it was i think i i kind of feel like you know that comic became easily dismissible because it wasn't the g1 characters and if anyone got a whiff of that cartoon and thought it was the same thing as the comic then it also doubled down on the dismissibility which is unfortunate like i'm, I'm pretty sure shag has said in the past he's like oh i didn't buy that armada comic i know nothing about that armada comic and i think that's twofold i think it's they they weren't the characters he was familiar with from the original you know g1 right but i think also the 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 secondary factor is probably if you even ever caught like a a commercial for that you know anime or the the cartoon on cartoon network and he saw somebody going oh man red you know like and i mean of course you're gonna like kind of think like oh okay like i think i'll skip that right like so that's just one of those things but um it's it's weird though i feel like i feel like this has aged in i guess the reason why i brought up that trailer mash meme is i mean i feel like this is aged in tandem with stuff like the star wars prequels and there's probably that audience that looks on these very fondly. I mean, that's why, I mean, I, I, I don't think they would be making like, you know, $150, $200, you know, third party. I mean, you know, admittedly, mostly it's Optimus and Megatron and Optimus and Megatron always sell. But I mean, I don't think they would be making versions of these characters as third party toys if there wasn't some yearning for it's, for it's, for this this period this era this time you know it's it's weird to say and like some people will like not even maybe agree with me but i i think it's the absolute truth but armada revived transformers mm-hmm. like robots in disguise was popular like it did sell well but armada turned transformers into into like a thing from a thing that came back every couple years like as beast wars as beast machines as robots in disguise after armada transformers were in the toy aisle like permanently for the last like 20 something years yeah and like it, it was super successful like no matter like the quality of the cartoon the toys or whatever but and i think that uh, they hit their target audience like the, mm-hmm. the kids who now like you said have the nostalgia for armada like you know are you know went into like they're you know they got in that was their gateway drug and then uh, you can i think you can directly trace the the bay movies to armada because that this is where transformers became what they call like an evergreen property, like where it like, you know, it, it, it will never go away basically now. Like it's, 
Transformers went away a few times before this, but not not after Armada. It was an all a constant presence in on toy shelves after this. I guess somebody could disagree with you, but I don't see how. You know what I mean? Like I, I think everything you said is just factual. I think they they even like Aaron Archer or someone said at Hasbro. It's like you know after Hasbro like took a look at like you know the the take from Armada and whatever and like Energon and Cybertron had much bigger budgets too. They could pour a lot more money into like toy design and stuff. Uh, okay. So. I think once they saw that, they were like, hey, we should, like, shop this property around to Hollywood again. And, you know, soon enough, like, within five or six years, you know, they had the first Bay movie. So, but, you know, regardless of quality, no one can argue how successful that stuff is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, let me um, read a quick blurb about, you know, this. Let's talk like let's let's go into the specifics on what we're here to talk about. And like I'll read a quick like blurb from the wiki about, you know, some general things about the comic. And then I I think we can I'm not going to go issue by issue, but I think we can break it up into three little like segments where we talk about, you know, the preview story and the first two issues then issues three through five, and then the, the free comic book day issue, which isn't like a huge thing, but we can, you know, mention it. But uh, uh, here's the wiki has a little general, like, you know, blurb for it. Um, Transformers Armada is an ongoing comic published by Dreamwave Productions from 2002 to 2003. It ran for 18 issues before being changed over to the Energon book, which continued its story. Like its cartoon counterpart, it was a reboot of Transformers continuity based around the new characters and premises of the Armada toy line. It is distinguished by a number of differences from its television counterpart, most notably that the Minicons could actually speak instead of merely emitting a series of beeps and boops, and many of them had distinct personalities. So yeah, that's the quick and brief uh, overview of the entire Armada comic series. And uh, th- here's a, I'll just read the first paragraph of like their overview of the story of this, uh, which basically is the story of this first arc. The story begins a million years ago on Cybertron, where reports are spreading of a secretive faction attacking Minicon villages and taking them hostage. The reports prove all too true as the Minicon-empowered Decepticons soon attack and overwhelm the Autobots. Most of the Minicons flee the planet, but the handful possessed by the Decepticons are enough to allow them to rule for many years. When word comes that the bulk of the Minicons have been rediscovered, both factions head to a new world, Earth. So yeah, that's, you know, the quick and dirty synopsis of the first arc. And uh, I know, like, I, I told you guys, you know, the preview story takes place probably after issue two. But um, just talking about it in terms of releases, like, I mean, I did read this preview story for the preview story first. I think it like I said, I think it might have been the first exposure I had to actual fiction uh, in regards to Armada. And like, I, I like I like this preview story. I mean, it's written by Chris Saracini. And uh, drawn by James Reyes, who draws most all of this. And uh, Chris Saracini writes this first arc. And, uh, you know, when we talked to Shag about the first, like, Generation 1 arc with, you know, by Chris Saracini and Pat Lee, I had always suspected that maybe Pat Lee had, like, ghostwritten some of it. And, like, Chris Mm. Saracini just kind of polished shit. 
Okay. And then, like, I think this this first arc is, like, proof that, like, that might have been true. Because I feel this first arc is a lot, is a better story than Generation 1. And I think that's because Chris Saracini had total control over it, basically. I'm like, I'm like and, people can come fight me, but I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, yeah. Justin can fight me over the little kid shit or whatever. But this is, this is way better than, than the Dreamwave G1. Yeah. And like just just speaking to the this preview story, like it's a bet again, it's a better preview than the generation one preview where, you know, I complained about stupid humans walking through snow and then sound waves on the last page like this tells you everything you need to know. It's like. You know, those two aliens land on the planet. They're like, oh, we heard there's a war here. Like, there's nothing going to happen. And then one of the aliens gets flattened because Optimus Prime lands on him. Like, Megatron shows up. He plugs Leader One into his arm, like, showcasing, like, the Minicon, like, gimmick. Like, they fight, and then they run off without even noticing the aliens. And, I, you know, I think that's a cool, like, sort of Transformers, you know, they're always at war and sometimes their war steps on a like you know a, a smaller fleshy alien race like i think it, it very simple and very effective like for a preview story i think and i i just think it's a great gag too that optimus just lands on the guy and they don't even notice it so but yeah i mean do you remember this preview story derek very well or yeah. like yeah i i remember it you, you know what you know what this this reminds me of which is interesting but i'm going to give a shout out to the guys on back to the bins because paul spataro had on a guest and they were reviewing uh, he brought all hell megatron and and the, those guys are not you know super familiar or at least paul is not super familiar with transformers but he made a comment about how in that first issue it was helpful to him to see like there seemed to be an escalation of scale where it was like some of the Decepticons show up and then some of the Seekers show up and they're even bigger and then Megatron shows up and he's like the biggest freaking thing you know and it, it and it just showed you the the increasing danger the increasing scale of the Decepticons compared to humans right in this in in that miniseries and I think this uses that same trick without using any human beings. You know, it's those two aliens who are you know, ostensibly the size of humans, but it shows you like the scale and the the, you know, enormity of of these two. Essentially, you know, I, I, I don't want to exaggerate, but, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like when when people are witnessing kaiju fights. Do you know what I mean? It's like basically these aliens stumble into a big mecha kaiju fight out of nowhere and it sort of shows you the scale of it. And then, like you said, what's clever about it is they introduce you to the the minicon concept in the midst of battle. And so it's it it's an it's an expositional tool that is very effective because it doesn't the, the, it doesn't slow down the action like it just it happens in the middle of it. You know, it's 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 kind of funny because you would think like with something that's, you know, a collaboration with, say, you know, a Japanese company like Takara. Right. That 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 whole Minicon transformation sequence, you, you see it in the show all the time. Right. It's this moment that kind of, you know, they do the Sailor Moon transformation or whatever. It sort of does slow down the action where people have to spin around and do all this kooky shit and transform or whatever. And then they transform and 
stick them on the arm and go through the whole routine, right? But in this, I think it, it, it's usually limited to you know a, a single panel or, or whatever it is that it's not it's not something that even remotely slows down the action. And it's it's a you know I I mean I think it's it's a fun action sequence and everything. And I think what sells it is this little, you know, I don't know, alien priest or wizard or whatever the hell he's supposed to be, right? This alien scholar and that kind of goofy ass look on his face where he's like, oh, I'm sure we'll be totally fine. And then his eyes fucking practically bulge out of his skull where he's like, oh, shit, you know, like, and and then that's like, okay, well, let's let's get the fuck out of here. You know, like, that's basically the end of it and and i and i think it's also interesting too that it it it's a good world expansion like th- there's not a lot of stories where someone just kind of i don't know pays a field trip to cybertron like i at least i can't remember too many stories where you know an alien race is like yeah we're gonna just land on cybertron it's gonna be totally fun and then all of a sudden you know fucking war you know like and they're like okay let's get out of here you know it's like it's like somebody somebody walked into the wrong side of town you know into the middle of a gang fight but it happens to be two kaiju sized robots you know and that's i don't know like that's to me is pretty effective so i i think it works justin do you have any thoughts on the preview story i enjoyed it i i like the art in it quite a bit i don't want to fight Derek. I'm kind of when it comes to Armada, I'm kind of like Tommy Lee Jones, like I don't care. <laughs> kind of, um, like I, I recently sat down and watched. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of like Derek with his arms up, and he's like, "The mini cons can talk," and you've got a gun to me. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I recently sat down and watched Micron Legend, like I had never watched that before, and it's definitely better than Armada and the kids are less annoying but there's still that degree of like annoy annoyance and there's like far too many kids scenes for my taste until like the end more like you know uh alexis is interacting with starscream and stuff like i i like that because it's something that means something like most of the time when the kids are talking in armada it means nothing it's just a waste of time it's just filler but yeah i i had never read any of these issues before i'm going to just slightly get off topic here but how do you guys feel about the art in these issues because i i think i like the art for the most part i think there's like some bad inking and some bad like early aughts coloring that doesn't do the pages any service i like james reyes's art i think like it's funny because he said when like you're mentioning the humans he said, like, he originally drew the humans in a more, like, realistic style, like, for these issues. But someone, like, didn't like that and told him to, like, draw them more anime-like. That's... And he was like, yeah, and he was like, I, I, that was not my specialty, and you can tell. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately, like, the people, like, the, you know, Dreamwave and Hasbro, like, they loved it. So I had to draw them like that. So. Uh... Jeez. Um, I think I think there's something to what you're saying, though, because if you I, I, I don't know that I I'm familiar enough with these guys styles to point it out specifically to you with examples. But just going by what's on the credits page. Right. And of course, we know that maybe with certain Dreamwave credits that, that might not even be entirely accurate. Right. But you've got James Reyes on the pencils. Right. But you've got multiple anchors. 
So, so to, to me, it wouldn't surprise me that maybe you look at some pages and go, oh, this is pretty good. And then you look at some other pages and go, oh, you know, this inking doesn't quite hold up because you've got Rob Armstrong credited and you've got Eric Sander credited, right? And then on top of that, on top of all that, you have backgrounds by Edwin Garcia. So this almost not, not only is Armada a better story, but you feel like they're giving more accurate credits than Pat Lee would ever give on any of his projects. Right. Because they're, I mean, in this, it's kind of like they're owning up to, you know, okay, this was, this was not only a project done in the style of an American comic book where it's written, penciled, inked, colored, and and edited by different folks but there's two inkers there's a penciler and a background artist there's three colorists on this first issue like it, it to me that's one of those things where it, you would think it would have to like be disparate you know what i mean like there there would have to be elements where some stuff works a lot better than others. And it seems like the main consistent elements are, you know, Saracini's writing and Reyes's pencils, right? But on top of all that is going to be a bunch of different, you know, like you're saying, a bunch of different digital coloring techniques and uh, 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 a couple different inkers along with whatever is involved with background artists, which I find interesting because it seemed like in his interview, in addition to sort of, I guess, acknowledging like anime was not, you know, an anime style is not his forte. He he also seemed to acknowledge that what was his forte was design, right? Like he, he liked being a designer. So you would think that maybe that that would extend to backgrounds as well. But, you know, and I don't know if it's just a matter of the coloring or not, but I, I would I would harbor a guess that a lot of the the style of this is is probably done I, I don't want to say an homage but like probably a, a workflow done that was learned from patley if that makes sense because you can tell like these are all good but you can tell in in some of the especially cybertron it's pretty obvious that the 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 figures and then the the you know wh- whether it's you know, Cyber City or these Minicon villages or whatever that have different numbers. Like there, there is a sense that the the figures stand out amongst the backgrounds, which is good. That's probably the way it should be. But but also there's there's a sense where they are either dulled or it's like ridiculously obvious that that the figures were drawn first and then the backgrounds were like sort of an afterthought or secondary, if that makes sense. Yeah, I see. I know exactly what you mean. And I think, well, it's funny because I think, you know, even even with the background artists, I think like I I believe more of the actual Transformers were drawn by James. Like, you know, I think he did everything like that, but himself. But whereas like Pat Lee, I think it was a little more dubious and, like you know, Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, like, that, that, well, that's why I said this comic's better. It, it, even its yeah, credits are more accurate. Uh-huh. You know? It's it's and stylistically honest. consistent. I feel like too. So, but uh, um, well, moving on. Just to, I'm gonna say like the first two issues, which um, 
basically establish the world, establish, like I said, the Minicons living in their little villages, like Derek said, and the Decepticons attack, like, we're introduced to, like, Sparkplug, and, like, Sparkplugs are sort of Minicon eye on the ground or whatever, and uh, he he uh, teams up with the Runway and the Air Defense team to uh, free the other Minicons from, like, the Decepticon headquarters, where, while the uh, Decepticons attack... Uh, I think they call it Cyber City or whatever, which is like mm-hmm. the headquarters, the home base of the Autobots, like the metropolis of the Autobots. And, you know, they kick the Autobots' asses because they have minicons, like, you know, showcasing the gimmick. And by the end of it, most of the minicons are able to like have an exodus off Cybertron. And, I mean, that's the opening, like, two-parter, so... Uh, but yeah, like, I, I mean, I think, you know, it, 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 I think it's very, is a, a very effective opening two parter. I think, you know, the focus on the mini cons is very welcome. And it, like I said, like once I saw the, like started to see the cartoon, I was very disappointed that like, you know, the mini cons had no personality in the cartoon, whereas here they're practically the main characters. It's like they, they are the civilians like on the ground and the, the Autobots are kind of like the Justice League almost like and, you know, the Decepticons are just like these guys who just came in and like took them from their homes and, you know, tried to use them and stuff. But uh, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think of the opening like two parter? I guess I'd call it. I enjoyed it. And coming into this like far later than you guys, like all the Minicon stuff was like a breath of fresh air to me because, you know, I, I'd watched Armada when it aired was disappointed with it and kind of quit it i watched micron legend and you know there's still beep bop pooping but like like you said like they've got their own backstory and you can dig into it and you can attach yourself to these characters because like you said they have their own distinct personalities and goals and everything and that's i don't know i was like i was like why why didn't we get this in the show like this this is what they they should have gave us instead of beep bop boops and like only only the kid can inter- understand his minicon and the minicons understand each other but like you know alexis can't understand rad's minicon like that all that stuff just like is nonsensical and hurts my brain like i don't know why they just they just didn't go with this but i like that you get to see their plight before they like escape and crash on the moon and everything like everything they go through like they're kind of like derek said they're going through all these like experiments and you kind of get the feeling like they were forced into their like power up status. And that's why they're being chased instead of just like, Oh, well they, they were always a power up and that's what we want them. And then, you know, hiding in like the garbage dump and like all the different things that are going on, like in the background, you know, like sometimes like Optimus or hotshot or somebody is fighting and they'll like interrupt a mini con like, conversation or something like, I like that. I wish I wish there were more aspects of this comic in the cartoon. Yeah, I I think these first two issues are some of the best in this run that we're reading. I have always been a proponent of stories set on Cybertron, so I, I enjoy that aspect to it. I think just going through some of the, the things that I noticed, you know, I mean, I, I am a fan of Hotshot. I dig how they're able to establish his characterization in such a short time he's 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 you know quick he's on fire he's got to get somewhere in the hurry but he's doing it for the right reasons you know he's he's basically reporting in he's being a good 
soldier, worker, whatever you want to call him. Like he's he's reporting into his 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 superior officer, his boss, like whatever, however you want to see it. And yeah, he's smashing through some drones on the way and everything. But this is, you know, this is life or death for these these mini cons in the villages. So it, it also shows that, you know, he, he's a good natured person and, and someone someone died to get him that information. So it's worth running over some some traffic bots or whatever to 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 get that to prime. And I guess I don't know the, my my note on the splash with Prime like it's it's a cool page but I always kind of feel weird when like like hero characters are on thrones you know like it feels like Prime's on a throne and I'm just kind of like I don't know that felt weird to me and then of course it's what we're you know we've been referring to since we started the the number one difference between the cartoon and the comic is that the minicons are actual characters with real personalities. They don't just beep and bloop to humans and Transformers or whatever. I feel like a trick that's being done, It's it's you might not have noticed it, but your brain did, is that Sparkplug is your through-line minicon, and Sparkplug looks just like Bumblebee in this. Like, I, I think that's completely on purpose, you know, or, or it, if it's not, it's unconscious genius because and, and not only that, he's got the same name as, you know, the human ally from G1. So if you have all that history with Transformers comics, it, it, it's 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 a very tricksy psychological trick to make you instantly empathize with this character because he he sort of in the back of your head reminds you of Bumblebee who you already probably if if you grew up reading G1 comics or if you grew up watching the G1 cartoon you should probably have that in the back of your head that that you you know have a familiarity with this character and you already kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and then the fact that he has essentially i, I guess i'm going to just say it's a human name even though I guess Sparkplug is not necessarily, you know, the representation of humanity, but in Transformers, you know, in the G1 Transformers, the name Sparkplug is, right? So you've got that going on, right? And then and then the whole story that Longarm tells to Jolt, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to exaggerate it or or if if you read enough into it if you if you add the historical context to it right there's there's plenty of examples in human history recent to to you know the dawn of time where there are certain folks that are persecuted and tortured and experimented on and it's all very horrible and and you 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 get those kind of those chills when he's telling that story about everything and you understand the the tension and and the heightened urgency that you know oh shit these guys are coming to our village you know what i mean and 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 so you know that's something that kind of stood out to me i've got in my avatar where sparkplug supposedly passes out and i was thinking about me and mike talking about the underbase where I was kind of saying, oh, those guys aren't fucking dead and these guys aren't fucking dead or whatever, or they could still be alive. But like, it's funny, he's not dead, but I feel like that one panel, it made me feel like Decepticons are coming. They're coming. Ugh. 
you know, and I was just kind of like, he looks fucking dead, you know, like, like he looks like he's in pretty bad shape, you know, even though he's not by the, the, the next issue. And then going back to the whole scale thing, I mean, again, the mini cons are, are very helpful in displaying scale without human interaction as well. Just like the, the alien in the preview issue, you know, it's, it's, you see Cyclonus and Demolisher and they're just menacing and giant is all get out you know and that that's something that is just very effective i think in 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 displaying their menace and also it it kind of you know it kind of effectively imparts onto you the the sense of helplessness that these mini cons feel the fact that they they can just you know it's like gargamel catching fucking smurfs you know what i mean like it's just it's just this like and and it's it's kind of like a horrific version of that. You know what I mean? Like where it's just, it's not just a cartoon where it's like, Oh, haha, Gargamel caught some Smurfs and he's going to try to cook them in soup. And then they're like, fuck you, Gargamel. And they get out of the soup. No, it's like, it's like this horrible thing where you're like, Holy shit. He just, he just grabbed these guys. Like, and, and, and they're gonna, they're gonna fucking plug them in somewhere, or do weird experiments on them and use them, you know, and everything like that. Uh, I really dig the splash page at the end of the first issue where, you know, he basically they're like, what's next, Megatron? And he's like, next, we declare war, you know, so that's pretty cool. It does a good job of introducing you to the rest of the Autobots by the second issue. So in addition to Prime and Hotshot, we've got Scavenger, Red Alert and Smokescreen. We finally see Starscream during the beginning of the attack on Cyber City. Um, again, Sparkplug's not dead, so I guess the air defense team resurrects him or, or revives him or, you know, I don't know, puts some, some water on him and slaps him in the face and helps him not pass out or whatever you want to say. And so you've got Jetstorm, Runway, and Sonar there. And then I was, like, super-duper disappointed that there's no stupid snarky-ass comment on the TF Wiki about this that garbage is buried treasure in disguise because the air defense team has been living in basically a garbage dump because they figure no Decepticon will look for and abduct any mini cons there. And they go into their big plan to, you know, break into Decepticon headquarters and free all the mini cons and get them onto a ship. And it, it, it's essentially setting up, I guess, one of the many, premises that mike was talking about you know like in in this the premise is they're 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 being abused they're being experimented on mangala style to power up decepticons but autobots haven't engaged in this technology yet and like mike was saying the autobots are more this set this group of of transformers that live in cyber city that are kind of like you know the defenders of dinatron city they're the Justice League or whatever comparison you want to make, right? And unfortunately, with with all the power ups that Megatron and his team are getting from Minicons, they're they're just they beat the hell out of them, right? And 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 they're they're you know going to be close to death and all that other stuff. And 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 then when they get lured away from Cyber City, then then that's you know of course the Decepticons' opportunity to to attack and and take over that city and then meanwhile the minicons are trying to do the whole you know get away in their own ship right and so that's that you know that kind of leads you into how how they end up crashing on earth so it's it's kind of a different 
it's kind of it's, I don't know. It's kind of a different vibe, right? From that gotta catch them all vibe, right? Like because the I don't know you 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 don't get the sense. I mean, I don't know. They kind of go into it in later episodes of Armada when they go into the the background of the mini cons and everything. But you, you don't get the sense that they're like you know the fucking pilgrims escaping religious persecution, right? Or or whatever historical allegory you want to make, right? Like like you you you, you just kind of get the idea that they're they're on a ship and they the ship fucking breaks apart and they. I scatter all across the earth. You know? I feel like the cartoon doesn't have the same sense of like urgency yes. that this yes. these two issues mm-hmm. have. Basically, mm-hmm. it's like we gotta yeah. get away. These guys are abusing us, like you know, capturing us. Like we gotta go now. Like, but mm-hmm. like in, in the cartoon, I think it's just like some opening narration where it's like, oh, the Autobots and the Decepticons, or the the Autobots put their minicons on a ship and shot them off. Like, bye. Like, you know, and that you was what, it. You know, like, you know what's interesting is when you like that's true of the opening. It's very just expository. It's very tell not show type thing. And and like you said, there's really no sense of urgency. It's more trying to establish maybe that sense of wonder of a, you know, gotta catch them all Pokemon thing. But I feel like in some of the later episodes, they go into like these little flashbacks of Cybertron and, and, and they, they, they touch on it sort of, but there, again, there's no, there's no sense of urgency. And I feel like, you know, it's funny that, that, Takara was the one that did their own take on it where there there was no I, I guess I'm trying to think of like the, the, the different versions of it, but it, it seemed to me like in one of the treatments and one of the pitches, like in, in that article that you asked for from the Toy Fair, right? They they say the Transformers Armada, this armada of minicons, were so powerful, or they led people to be so powerful that both Optimus and Megatron agreed to banish them. So it wasn't, to me, that's different, right? Like in this, it's, it's like they're persecuted, right? So they're like the pilgrims going to another, you know, they're boarding the ship and they're like, we're getting the fuck out of here because we don't want to be persecuted anymore. Right there. That's one version of the mini cons, but in this other version of the mini cons, it's almost like, you know, we don't want your, I don't know whether you want to equate it to diseases or whether you want to equate it to, you know, I don't know, like, like fictional things like where, you know, it's, it's uh super genetic type stuff, whether it's like, you know, in Star Trek, like the augments or the, what do they call them in seed? The, the, um, what, what's Kira? Is he a coordinator? Yeah, Is coordinator. Yeah. Coordinator. Like, so, so like whatever you equate it to, right. That, that, that there's this, sort of advanced or, or powerful, you know, group that people are so afraid of, right? So in that sense, it seemed like in that backstory in the Toy Fair thing, they put them all on a ship and said, okay, we don't want ever want to see you guys again. Get the fuck out. You know what I mean? So it's 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 very different, right? Than either persecution or just, oh yeah, they they were trying to get away from the war. You know, I think in the cartoon or whatever, even in the backstory, there was a sense that they were just they, you know, it was kind of like they were the the Fortress Maximus types. They were just tired of the fighting. They wanted to escape it, right? And and almost like they were refugees, right? Which is a, a different historical allegory, right? Like, and and when when they did that, then you know the ship breaks apart or whatever. And and I guess the thing that I found interesting was like 
if you look at those flashbacks in the anime, I, I was like, you could almost like change the dialogue in it to fit whatever suited your needs. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's interesting that that the actual dialogue is like, oh, they were tired of the war. They all got on a ship. And I think there's some dialogue about primes like the Minicons were our buddies and we fully supported them in, in leaving Cybertron because we didn't want them to get you know, abused by Megatron and the Decepticons. So we fully endorsed this and, and we, you know, we, we, uh, we gave them escort as they left Cybertron. And then, you know, and then we didn't know that their engine was messed up and they crashed and all that other stuff. But up until that point, it seemed like the Autobots were a hundred percent behind their exodus, you know, their, their self-inflicted exodus from Cybertron. Right. But what I was thinking in the back of my head was because of that toy fair article, like, you could have easily said, oh, me and Megatron thought these guys were way too powerful, no, that no no Transformer should be tempted by them. So I, I was really sad about it, but we both agreed to stick them on this ship, and both Autobots and Decepticons escorted these these vast, you know, I don't know, apples-on-the-tree temptations out of our garden of cybertron eden never to be seen again not not saying that that was the actual dialogue but i'm just saying you could have easily overlaid a different motivation that might have been a tinge more gray or complex or darker but that that was never that that to me it seemed like that was never something that they went for on that show i like um the air defense teams like kind of bit where runway does all the talking and jet storm and sonar just say like yep like uh-huh like agree with them basically like i then that's like if you want to talk about mini cons that don't talk like that's charming like that's not like annoying or disappointing like i i think that's a good bit and they they keep it up for the rest of their appearances basically i i'm noticing your avatar as well and in that second issue it's like Hotshot's eyes are just so. <laughs> He's got the giant egg eyes, or something. He's got the big googly like like yeah. eyes of like it, most anyone else would say they were like eyes of love or something. You know what I mean? Like so. <laughs> yeah. Well, like James Reyes said, he wasn't like you know good at like drawing anime style, but mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. like you know exaggerated, I guess. Like sort yeah. of. So. But yeah. Any anything else about these first two issues, or you want to move on to? I'm I'm pretty good. Let us transform and roll on. Yes, because we got to move on to issue three so Justin can fight Derek. Uh, yeah, so like uh, issues three through five uh, involve like, you know, the like uh, there's a time skip, like I think of a million years or something where the minicons crash on Earth and, uh, you know, they meet Rad, Alexis and Carlos, like our human, like, you know, uh, eyes on the ground, like I like to say. And, uh, you know, the Autobots chase the De the Decepticons arrive there. The, the Autobots chase him there. You know, they have another conflict. And like this time, like, you know, the Minicons, like we've been following, like the, the kind of good guy Minicons, like team up with the Autobots. So now, you know, it's a new battleground, but it's like on equal playing ground now because the Autobots and Decepticons have Minicons. So, I mean, that's what issues three through five basically cover. But, uh. I forgot if I mentioned it, but um, and I, I'm sure I'm sure we're about to get into it. Rad Alexis and Carlos, like Chris Saracini, kind of writes I like I'd have pegged them like as like six or seven or eight years old, like in in this story, 
Whereas, like, in the cartoon, they're more, like, preteen age, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like, once once Simon Furman takes over with issue six, like, they, and even maybe even the in the free comic book day issue, they're closer to yeah. the cartoon age, mm-hmm. it feels like. Like, they're probably, like, 10 or 11 or 12, like, they I so, agree. like. I I think a main stumbling block for a lot of writers is like little kid dialogue and like it's it either goes like way too like complex for kids that age or way too like dumbed down for kids that age. And I don't like Chris Arasini doesn't quite get it either way, like sort of like so I, I don't I don't know, like, you know, that scene where not Billy and Fred, like I think, like it's <laughs> Sid, like, Sid and Seth. Apparently. Yeah, like they're, even though they're, I was going to ask you because I I saw the name Sid and I had to look up because I was like Sid and who? Because I could never find the other name. But according to the TF Wiki, the other guy's name is Seth, and I was just kind of like, yeah. okay, it's like they took Billy and Fred's character models from the cartoon and then just made up two completely different characters for them, like or something, because. Like, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I see what you're saying. Like I, to me, this is weird because it. They're bullies. I mean, like flat out bullies. Like, and I think, I, I think, Sid and Seth have more the relationship of like the Warner Brothers, like the, the what is it like? Come on, Skip. Is that what it is? You know, like the big dog and the little dog, and it's like, come on, we're gonna go, we're gonna go beat up Brad and Alexis, right? We're gonna go beat up Carlos, right? And then you know, Seth is kind of like, yeah, shut up, and he smacks, you know, the little, you know what I mean? Like, like it's like it's like the big fat kind of big guy, and then the little skinny guy that's kind of like trying to egg everybody on. And I mean, there's some aspect of early bulk and skull with those guys to where maybe you could have done an arc to where they do it in the the cartoon where they eventually become sort of friends and part of the team or whatever. But I... I kind of always thought, like, the... Fred is a big, fat pussy. No! Do you know what I mean? Like, like, and it's like, it's like, but Seth, I don't know, he might be on his, like, in, in his innermost heart of hearts, uh, a coward, but, I mean, he... Seth certainly projects that bulk kind of, I'm the best, and all the chicks should like me, and 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 you you know what I mean? Like 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 he he thinks like I'll, I'll just say it. Seth thinks who the fuck he is, right? Like and and Fred, I don't think I don't know. Fred Fred is not that character. So like it, it is interesting that they're they're I guess perhaps they're similar archetypes, but. They they do seem extremely, extremely different, you know, as much so as the mini cons talking and 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 bleeping. Do you know what I mean? Versus bleeping. Right. It's it seems like that that's certainly a big divergence, whereas I think I mean, I don't I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I, I kind of think like Rad, Alexis and Carlos are pretty much aside from what we're discussing about maybe in these early issues before you get to the free comic book day thing, they're a little younger than the rad Alexis and Carlos in the cartoon. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, Alexis and rad or having that, you know, Sam and Diane, like they should probably get a room even at six years old type 
tension or what you know what i mean like like even even in the early episodes of the cartoon it was like rad was kind of into alexis and kind of asking her to come hang out with them and she's like i'm busy i gotta study or whatever and you know and then carlos is like girls man you know like i mean that's that was always their kind of relationship i guess you know and and then and then it turned more into like oh you guys are, are stupid men and i'm the you know, plucky kind of smart female who doesn't want you guys to get killed. So I got to tag along with you to make sure you don't, you know, fall off mountains and bridges and hit your heads like you've been doing or whatever, like that whole kind of vibe. So, I mean, I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I don't, I I don't see there being too many discrepancies between, I mean, they, they feel like the same characters to me. And if Justin is annoyed by both of them, I assume he feels like they're the same characters as well. Yeah, I kind of do. Like I, when I got to these pages, I was like, "Oh man!" Like I thought I left all this behind, and like Armada and Micron Legend, and there's more of it. There's more of this stuff in my comic, and I just kind of, I don't know. After a while, I just kind of looked at the pages. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, in your defense, like, like if pages from this came up for sale. I, I would be the least interested in the, you know, Red, Carlos, and Alexis pages, right? I mean, the coolest thing about this is that Red knew that the Russians were up to no good even back in 2002. So, <laughs> way to go, Red. Way to go. I, I kind of agree with you, though, that the uh, not Fred and not Billy are bullies. Like, especially when they were, like, shooting the balloons and stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was like, wait. I mean, I mean, sort of indirectly. Like, I mean, imagine there were no mini cons in that cave, and imagine like Rad just cracked his neck by the <laughs> end of that. Like that. I mean, the, basically, that's yeah. the, the, in, in some ways that's kind of their fault, right? Like, like if he had been seriously hurt instead of you know discovering great adventure, you know what I mean? Like, like that that kind of aspect, you know. So there there is that that notion where you're like, hey, these guys were kind of kind of jerks or whatever yeah and in the cartoon they're more like okay what are you know carlos alexis and rad like what are they up to let's let's follow them let's spy on them you know what you know what i feel like and and this might you know again people can throw tomatoes at me or whatever but i mean i i feel like it's like it's less billy and fred are less kind of bulk and skull bullies but they're they're kind of like you know the 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 urkels and the screeches but like in their own kind of archetype you know what i mean like where it's like it's like they're not they're not quite cool but they're you know in, in some ways it's like they're 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 doing you know it's kind of like they're bully curious or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like where it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like that, that, that boy that like punches the girl. Cause he likes her. It's more like that kind of bullying. Like where it's like, they're, they're I think, bully I think, adjacent. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think deep down, like, like Billy and Fred, like just, just want to hang out with like, yeah. Carlos Rad and Alexis and want to be part of the gang. Where does Sith and Seth want to murder them? <laughs> yes, yes, they they want they want they want Rad's neck to get cracked or whatever. They want the Russians to win, and we won't have that. So, yeah, maybe I mean, maybe, that... maybe Sith and Seth are like Russian like agents or something. <laughs> like... They're like they're like the Americans. Like yeah, uh, they, they... Uh, what's her face? Uh, Freaking uh, uh, Felicity, whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, Carrie Russell. I like 
Oh, okay. Th- this is something I want to discuss with you guys. Like, I like the end page splash in issue three where Megatron's hand is reaching out for the mini cons and the kids. And, and it, you know, again, like you're talking about that sense of urgency and everything. And I, I think that works well in some ways. It reminds me of like this kind of Spielberg Jurassic Park vibe, you know, like imagine a T-Rex, you know, chasing, you know, the Jeep and all your, you know, these characters you're supposed to come to love or, or, or at least, you know, relate to or what have you. Right. So you if, if I mean, unless you're Justin, in which case, I think you just want Megatron to pick up the kids in the minicons and squish them all. But yes. like but like. I, for me, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, if you're if you have some semblance, you know, if you have a soul. Right. And you don't want these kids to get squished. Right. And you're like, oh, no, like like they, they might get squished. Having said that. I feel like it's that thing where you're like, oh, man, like the T-Rex slipped on a banana peel and like fucking fell over. And you're like, the T-Rex isn't as scary as I thought, because by the time you get like to the next issue, you know, it's like. The fourth issue, like, it's funny because I, I feel like I'm I'm going to go back into it. But, you know, it, it, it's typically said, right? What what happens in the fourth installment of a six-part Doctor Who serial, Justin? They just run down all the hallways, like the same oh. hallways, like over and over again, like, and, mm-hmm. and run away from the bad guys. And I feel like, I feel like this is like that, that installment you know it's kind of like oh it's it's like that wacky th- moment they're you know it's like the the kids and the minicons are running away from the decepticons and then it's like it's like megatron like has a Pratt fall and i'm just kind of like it's it's weird because like it, you you're trying to establish the threat but then you can't have these characters get taken out right and so it's like you have the fighty fighty run run stuff but then megatron kind of has to slip on a, I mean, he doesn't literally slip on a banana peel, but you know what I mean? He's, he's got to like, you know, I, I guess you could argue he's not used to, you know, earth structures and gets confused for a minute. But even then, like, you'd think like maybe he just smashed through the tunnel instead of kind of doing a whole pratfall or whatever he does. Right. And so that, that there's that aspect. And then I guess, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that, that Demolisher, Cyclonus, and Starscream would go scan military vehicles, and then they go into the notion of the Minicon scanning, like, I guess... I, I was trying to think of what uniform thing to call them, but, like, the you know, like, children's transportation. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they've got, like, skateboards and bicycles and and and, you know... It's the street action team. Yeah, you know, street luges, like, whatever they turn into. Um, you know, like that, that whole thing. Um, is it me? Like, like, I think another thing that's different about this, at least initially, is that, uh, I, I feel like Starscream is characterized more like G1 Starscream, like that he's going to be a, a competitor for Megatron's leadership role that, that he, you know, the, the, the way he sort of forcefully installs the download of the earth mode, you know, that this kind of insinuation that, you know, he's going to try to violate and or usurp Megatron like the G1 Starscream would at every turn. Whereas I, I kind of think that the, the cartoon Starscream has a very different arc and he's almost more of a, 
Dinobot light character, you know, like that that there there's there's some aspect to him that's honorable and and finds that honor and 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 kind of that Japanese trope of like you know ninja consultant six shot making friends with Danny, you know what I mean? Like like that, but but in that's kind of ported over to the Armada cartoon where like you know Justin has already mentioned it, but you know Starscream and Alexis and their kind of relationship and all that stuff, and so. I, I kind of thought one of the things in this that was disparate and not similar to the the ancillary media, but yet was very uh, a throwback to the original. You know what what you might expect with a character named Starscream. Yeah, I like it's weird, but like I like that bit where he like injects Megatron with like the download for his like New Earth mode or whatever. Like I yeah. think that. It's like a weird way to do it, I guess. And I, I guess, like, I, I, we take it for granted now that, like, Transformers, because I think this this mostly came to prominence in, um, like, the Bay movies, where they just kind of scan something with their eyes, and that's how they get their new, like, alt modes. But it really kind of originated here, like, in Armada, like, that, you, you know, they that? can just... I feel like it originated in Beast Wars. They needed like some kind of external thing to like reformat their bodies, like a stasis pod or you know stuff mm. like that. But or, yeah, here they just like their bodies, just whatever you want to say, like nanites or something, just rearrange themselves and mm. get a new alt mode. But, but yeah, the Starscream's got a like surprise, like dart in your neck, like you know, just jabs right, them with right, the needle right. or whatever. Like, well, I, I feel like he's giving them like a you know, surprise colonoscopy or something like that with the look on his face. Also, this this uh, issue four has a, a bit and like maybe like we were, you know, when we talked with Shag, we were I, I, I was criticizing the whole like repeated panels thing. But like, I think maybe maybe it's a Chris Saracini thing he likes to do. But I think they're a lot better here. Like they the couple instances he does it, it like it's like a gag almost like I love mm the bit where they're running away from Megatron on the like sky sled or whatever. And they're like, Oh, he's so big. He can't catch up with us. And like over the course of those four panels, it's like they don't move and Megatron gets closer in every single panel. And they're like, okay, yeah, he can catch up with us. Like, I think that was a good bit. I know I, for, for five, I, I dig the cover with all the mini cons. Cause it kind of reminds me of the McGuire justice league cover, you know, kind of like you want to make something of it type thing. And I, yeah. I thought that long arm, like punch and demolisher in the optic, like that's a pretty cool, you know, this is for the little people and these, you know, that, that those characters again, have their arc where they're either on the run, they're being exploited, they're being violated, but that that's, that's a good moment where, they they bring it back to their victimizers or whatever you know what i mean like they 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 take it back to those guys so like that's kind of for me a feel good moment i i i think it's interesting you know d- depending on you know what your stance on this is you know uh, you you may or may not find it interesting but i like the line about you know optimus is kind of like you guys fucked up cybertron i'm not going to let you do this on earth if killing you is what it takes then that's what i'll do you know what i mean like he's not it doesn't seem like this this comic book version of armada prime has any qualms with you know, snuffing Megatron if he can if he can pull it off, you know, so like that I thought was kind of kind of cool. Yeah, even Starscream's like, you know, come at me, like I'll take all your heads. Like, mm-hmm. You know, they're all uh, for blood, even though they can't really you know, die at the moment because they're toys or whatever. But 
do you guys I, I know we've kind of focused a lot on the the mini cons the disparities between that in the the cartoon and the the comic but w- what about guys like smokescreen or scavenger you know like the the fact that they're you know they're they're kind of a wham bam thank you ma'am introduction to those characters i mean they they probably don't get you know quote unquote their own issue because of how quickly all this stuff is being set up but i mean i find i i found like prime's interactions with them you know like there's that cool scene where they they both kind of like oh maybe we should just bust some heads here on earth and prime's like no no like we're not gonna be like what do you think we're fucking decepticons like no we're not we're not squishing humans we're not doing anything like that like and and then and then even after he has that outburst, he has that kind of cool leader moment where he's like, look, I know you guys are programmed to be warriors, like, and that's great, but, you know, at least when we're on this planet, like, let's, let's not, you know, let's temper that with, with these, these humans that are around us. And then the next time they get into a fight with the Decepticons, it's, it's a cool callback. Cause he's like, Hey, remember when I told you to temper that shit back? Well, you don't got to do it anymore. Like let's, let's let loose and beat the fuck out of these guys, you know? And it's like, Oh, okay, cool. I, I will say that like scavenger is probably my favorite character from Armada in general, but I think the anime, like the TV show has a better take on him, like as sort of like the mentor type figure. Yeah. Like here, he's just some some dude, basically, like some strong, dumb dude. Yeah, he, like, he's, so. a, he's, he's a warrior. He's a roughhouser, but he doesn't have the whole, you know, cloak and mystery and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, I get you. Is there is there any any characters uh, from the Autobot team or, or maybe it doesn't have to be the Autobots. Is there any Autobots and Decepticons that are introduced in this comic that you sort of prefer their portrayal here to the to the anime or the cartoon well the hotshot's not as annoying is in here as he is in the cartoon like i think <laughs> look and you know what like they treat hotshot as if he's like some like young like almost like Riker type in this comic, I feel like, where he's mm. the young, like upstart second in command. Mm-hmm. And like Optimus even says, like, he'll make a good like leader someday. And like all that's like they do the same sort of like, oh, you'll make a good leader someday in the cartoon, but it doesn't feel earned like there. Mm. Like it doesn't, it's just like, oh, you're the designated, like, you know, hot rod, you know, youth appeal right, right, type right, character. Right. Like that just means you're going to be the leader someday. But here I feel like. Like it, it already was in motion where like Hotshot. Yeah, well, I mean, you he, know, is, he is leading some of those guys into battle without Optimus at a point, so that's why that exchange happens, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're so saying. I, I generally like Hotshot better here than I do in like the cartoon. I kind of, you know, I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I kind of, I kind of like Red Alert better in this comic too. Like, I don't, I don't know if that registers with anybody else, but. I, I don't know why. I guess I, I I felt like he's a little more stuffy in the in the cartoon, and I, I guess I just didn't get that vibe from him in in this. He he said like when he goes off on his little rant. Uh, I, oh, actually, I think that was all the way back in issue two about like you know all oh, the minicons are using like outdated like force fields. Mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost like he's like. Know, brainstorm or yeah yeah that he's he's, he, he's into kind of the words in the cartoon view. yeah in the, in the cartoon he, like you said he's kind of stoic and he look he's more the second in command than hotshot is yeah so. yeah mm-hmm. should we should we talk a, a little bit more about the 
the the free comic book day issue yeah the rest of this yeah well yeah. like before we move on like i just like to say like like we've, we've said it before but like like i i do like james reyes's art like he's drawn a lot of stuff for transformers over the years like into idw and stuff and like the reason like after this point he doesn't draw a whole lot more for dreamwave just a couple like one-off issues because like before anyone else he kind of saw where dreamwave was headed and he was like i don't think i'm gonna get paid like on time if i do any more work for them so that's why he didn't really draw a whole lot more for dreamwave after this point i guess good good <laughs> foresight then you know yeah but yeah the, the the free comic book day issue like uh you know, it's it's drawn by Don Figueroa and uh, written by Brandon Easton, who is uh, uh, <laughs> the, the the Matt Rosenberg of Transformers writing. I feel like you know, every time he writes something in Transformers, like I'm like, yeah, like so, and and this like I didn't. This is the first time he wrote something for Transformers. I didn't, I didn't even realize he had written something before that terrible like Deviations one shot. So. Figueroa's art's good in this. Like, I mean, I, I think it says it on the wiki, and I hadn't noticed it, but someone else drew all the humans in this, or like they uh-huh. they replaced Figueroa's humans with some huh. like someone else, probably in-house Dreamwave. I mean, I guess that that uh, is more of what you were talking about. That Dreamwave uh, Hasbro mandate that they look like, you know, that they're synchronous with the the anime designs of the the show i guess i mean to, to be honest like that my main note on this is that that free comic book day is the most like the cartoon and and you talked about saracini maybe not landing all the kid dialogue i mean dude this issue makes saracini's like carlos red and alexis dialogue look like dawson's fucking creek man like it it this this is clunky and super obvious like it's I, I, this i think is the the worst of of every like i i love the first two issues i think you know s- s- some of the third fourth and fifth issue kind of you know blend together so i'm not going to say they're they're fantastic but they're you know they 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 do their job right they're they're okay but this free comic book day thing, I think, is is uh, written for like you know five year olds. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, dude, I'm Swindle. Don't trust a guy named Swindle. Oh, well, remember when we didn't trust you? Like, uh, but we, my parents trust you now. Okay, well, if if Carlos likes you, then I should like you. Okay, let's be friends. <gasps> Swindle, you betrayed us. What? You know, like it's like. It's it's fucking bad. Like, I mean, it's the the only uh-huh. thing I found interesting in it was the dialogue that Megatron had because it seemed like they were interesting in capturing Carlos and Red. Like that was the whole reason why they kind of had Swindle infiltrate in the first place. And the thing I found interesting about that was it sounded like Megatron's goal was going back to the whole they experimented on minicons they got more powerful from doing that and that he has some notion of if i experiment on humans perhaps we can become even more powerful using them somehow and 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 that to me just kind of opened uh you know a, a a door in my mind where i was like oh the you know it's kind of the nebulin headmaster idea 
that's that's worming its way into this continuity. But I, I don't know that very much was done with it. But that was the only thing that I found, you know, fascinating or interesting. But outside of that, I mean, I, I, I I'll go with what you said. I mean, I enjoy most of the art in this. Uh, but I, I do think that the the plot was most like the cartoon or the anime, which just kind of, you know, is, you know, pedestrian at best and, and, and clunky and obvious at its worst. I really like the art, but I think I have to agree with everything else Derek said about, like, the, the dialogue and the writing and everything. It was not it was not at the par with uh, all the previous issues that we'd read. I guess I guess you get yeah, what you pay for. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Did did you get this, uh, Derek? Like, I I know I got it. Like, I don't know if I got it on that day, but I do know, like, I went into the comic store maybe that like weekend or a couple days mm. afterwards, and they still had a stack of them. So, like, I, I was like, oh, good, the the Armada issue is still here. Like, good. Yeah, I think I think most times when I was, you know, as I like to say, a Wednesday warrior, which I was back in those days. You know, if, if there was something free, I was like, oh, thank God, you know, because usually it was a stack of, you know, 30 to 40 books that cost me anywhere from 50 to 100 bucks, you know. So if there's something free I could throw on that stack that I actually thought I'd like, I was I was usually pretty, pretty thrilled to be able to, quote unquote, get away with that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mostly just threw this in because it really fits nowhere else. And like I wanted to address it. But yeah, it's it's a. It's a free disposable story that's dumbed down and probably designed that way to like, you know, appeal to fans of the cartoon and, you know, just give people a taster for what the cartoon is like, I guess. Like, I mean, even I though wonder, it, I wonder if they ever like because they never packed any of these with Armada figures, did they? No, our, some Armada figures had like mini comics. Mini with them. comics, like, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know. It just makes me wonder, like, if if maybe at one point in its development stage, it was going to be a mini comic rather than something that specifically, you know, uh, would have tied into this Dreamwave series. Did the did the minicons beep and boop in the mini comics? I can't remember. No, they they had their own characterization in okay. the mini comics, if okay. I if I recall correctly, but uh. Okay. It's weird that this issue, like, Swindle is really the only Minicon in it. Like, so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they're full fighting over. I mean, and they're not even really fighting over Minicons. Like, they want to capture, like you said, Megatron wants to capture Rad and Carlos for whatever reason. So, well, I, I mean, I think specifically he says he thinks he can he can experiment and exploit, you know, somehow get some more power out of human beings. But you'd think like, what, why does it even have to be Carlos and Rad? Like, like if, if you really thought that was going to work, you know, pick up some homeless bomb that nobody's yeah, going to fucking that's miss. A, and, that's a trope I hate where it's like, you know, oh, we need a, spe- like, we, like if a bad guy needs like a, like, you know, to a human to test something on, it's like, well, what better human than the ones that are like allied with our hated enemies? Like, right, like no, right. dude, like, just yeah, like, what you said, like, get that homeless just, guy or something. Just, just like, get some random person like that nobody will miss, you know? I don't, but, but the yeah. delicious irony, the delicious irony. Can't you taste it? <laughs> I, I can. And it tastes like poop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's cyber poop. Yeah. But yeah, like, like I said, according to the wiki, 
and the wiki is never wrong. All the art of Don's humans were was replaced by art from somebody else. Which I mean, looking at the pages, I can see that it doesn't really look like Figaro. I wonder. Art, I so. wonder if I like because I uh, this is pretty far into the two thousands, so I imagine like so, some things might have been you know like at least the coloring and the lettering could have been digital by this point. But I wonder if those changes were done digitally after the fact or like if you found original pages from that free comic book day issue would they still have the the original figueroa faces or would there be paste-ups on them like i just that makes me curious i wonder what what those original pages would be like yeah maybe that would be if figueroa was like selling those pages maybe that would be interesting like yeah, to see. yeah like what did yeah. what did his original humans like look yeah like? yeah look like yeah uh, but yeah, like I said, I threw this in here because there's nowhere else to put it. So yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say about it. So, bleh, Brandon Easton, bleh, bleh. Yeah. So I mean, does anyone have anything else to say about uh, like these issues we've discussed tonight, or we can wrap up this uh, first volume of Armada, Dr- Dreamwave Armada? All right. So yeah, like I said, we're gonna you know, divide this up into, you know, two more shows probably. And like next, next show, we'll probably talk about issues, uh, six through, I think it's like 11 is the next sort of mini arc. And then, uh, 12 through 18 is the final arc of the series. So well, that, those will be like probably two separate shows. Billy, I, Billy, 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 when, Billy, when Billy yes. Next episode coming out. Billy, 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 Billy. <laughs> At least he like Billy, Fred and Billy didn't try to like shove them off a cliff or something. So. <laughs> they didn't try to dump him into a fucking cavern and break his neck. Yeah. But yeah, okay, well, Derek, why don't you do our usual spiel? If you have any comments, questions, and or beeps, bloops, or concerns, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of our episodes, you can find them over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all episodes of Transformers Tuesdays along with all our other shows there. And we're on all kinds of streaming. We're on Stitcher radio we're on google play spotify amazon music we can be found on apple podcasts we're also on all kinds of social media you can find us on tumblr twitter instagram and facebook thank you jarek so this is mike uh signing off beeping and booping this is derek billy 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 signing off and this is justin signing off up when you said billy 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 yeah she was like hmm
there's a fat kid I can kill nearby. <laughs> I can claw the fat kid. I can shove a fat kid off a shelf. See, I think I think your cat would go after Billy or Fred, but um, not Seth. Seth yeah, seems like more. He seems more gangsta than. Uh, yeah, he seems like he'd torture small animals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He seems more. He seems more Sid from Toy Story or whatever. <laughs> Maybe that's where they go. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and tonight. We are going to start, I guess, on a uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> Mike stink. What? <laughs> it's just, uh, I didn't even know. Uh, we could do polls now. <laughs> Is there a poll? Oh, okay. I can add to it. <laughs> even Mike thinks he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> uh, All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. You made me laugh. <laughs>